NFL podcast here from Line em Up, where we will be lining up all our favorites in week three action and lining up everything with me as always today is Eric. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm excited to talk about week three. Uh, a lot of interesting games that happened in week two in particular, a lot of surprising, surprising results and then a lot of disappointing results um, to go along with that. Yeah, and speaking of, of maybe some disappointment out there, we are sorry that we did not get you a recap episode for week three. Life sort of got in the way. Couldn't get the timing right to get that recorded. But again, it is still our plan every week to be coming out with a week recap episode, talking about the previous week, and then hit you later in the week with a preview episode for the upcoming week of action in the NFL. Um, so this episode will be mostly dedicated to that preview we'll weave in a little bit of recap uh and without further ado eric let's get into it it was a pretty successful week of picks uh for the consensus uh from line them up some of us did a little bit better in week two than others um i once again did pretty well not to you know toot my own horn or anything but did pretty well in the straight up picks um while you know still having a pretty good week in the uh betting against the spread as well brendan continues to sort of befuddle in a way in that he is great against the spread but kind of mediocre or maybe even a little bit below that uh from the straight up standpoint and then eric you split the difference perfectly 500 on the straight up a little bit of rough week going for you on the uh spread there yeah, definitely some disappointing results coming from week two. Uh, for example, the Raiders and, and a disappointing comeback loss to uh, the, the Cardinals. Um, I think that definitely contributed to it. I'm pretty bitter about that. But yeah, below 500 on the spread picks and uh, over 500 on the straight up picks at the moment. So should be an interesting ride as we uh, go into the future weeks yeah and then just to do a quick recap what we did for our start sit decisions last week eric uh before i get to that just real quick just want to you know give us little pats on the back here both of our teams two and oh in fantasy so far so congrats <laughs> congrats to you as well john came off a pretty uh formidable win against uh brendan our very own brendan here um very I guess tight matchup going into the last day, I think, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, but uh, John was able to pull it out. And, yeah, I, I was also to come out 2-0. and And uh, we have a good matchup uh, against different opponents in uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, so we'll continue to keep uh, all the listeners out there updated on our fantasy teams, how we are doing. As far as those start sit decisions, we did have James Robinson or J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins didn't end up going in this one again for the Ravens. Um, so James Robinson won sort of by default, so it was really good that we picked him. Uh, another one uh, in our wide receiver starts at decision that we had that uh, was affected by injury. It was a Julio Jones or Allen Robinson. Julio Jones did not end up going for the Bucks in their win over the Saints. And so Allen Robinson, again, winning by default, did have a pretty decent game, did score a touchdown for the Rams against the Falcons. And then the one that was actually interesting, although if you had either of these players in fantasy, uh, you were probably a little upset with their production this past week, and that was Cordero Patterson versus Devin Singletary. Patterson with, for the, with the Falcons going up against the Rams, I believe had like four points, four point something points in fantasy. And then Devin Singletary 
was even worse had like i think two something uh, if that for the bills in week two and so we both went with patterson we both went with james robinson and then eric takes the victory by going with Allen robinson over julio jones so good job eric i believe that puts us at a one and one straight up against each other in these starts at decisions so nice little competition that i'm sure we'll keep our eyes on and then get Brendan involved uh, at later in the season as he becomes available. Cause Brendan will be back as Brendan always will be back eventually, but not here with us this week. Yeah. And once, once Brendan's back, I'm looking forward to a lot of the other competitive segments that we have planned that we have in store for our listeners. So uh, particularly, I think possibly starting next week, I, our listeners should be excited for possibly some more competitive segments. So I hope you guys tune in to join us with in the, in those uh, type of uh, fun that we have planned for you guys. Absolutely. Things will only be more fun the more hosts that we're having involved. But just two of us riding this week, as you usually have been getting uh, this NFL season. And so with that, we will jump into week three. Now, we are recording this after the Steelers and the Browns game where we all went with the Browns straight up. So we all got that one right uh, to start the week. Uh, Brendan and I both went with the Steelers to cover. And they would have covered if not for that desperate attempt at um, trying to get into trying to get a touchdown on the last game that ended up turning into a defensive touchdown for the Browns. Um, so tough beat there. But, you know, you move on and and you, you pick yourself back up and get ready for what will be, I'm sure, a great week otherwise in week three. Yeah, definitely off to a hot start on my end. Um, and I think all off to a hot start and a straight-up pick. So hopefully we ride with that for the next uh, 15 games. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, so we are going to start this week with the Texans taking on the Bears, uh, sort of a matchup of teams that coming into the season we expected to compete for the worst record if you can even call it competing um, for the worst record in the NFL. And they're both coming off losses. Texans losing what was a predictably low-scoring affair to the Broncos. I believe that final scoreline was 16-9. to And then the Bears coming off a Sunday night loss in Green Bay to the Packers, losing 27-10. to The Bears are at home, and the Bears are the favorites, Eric, but we don't really seem to be putting a lot of stock in them in this one. Yeah, I'm surprised. All three of us are going with the Texans to cover, and all three of us are taking the Texans to also just win straight up. I, I'm a little surprised none of us are taking the Bears, although I guess I should say I'm not terribly surprised either because the Bears have not looked good on the offensive side of the ball. Justin Fields has not really been throwing the ball at all, so they're really relying on him to just run the ball. Uh, they haven't gotten any production out of Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet, who have been fantasy darlings for the uh, for the draft portion of the fantasy season, uh, but they haven't shown up for the first few weeks. Uh, and the Texans, on the other side of the ball, have looked competitive, I think. Yeah. They, they obviously haven't had a win yet, but they've been in the games that they've been playing, so I think it's reasonable for us to just take the Texans and, and roll with it until we see something out of the Bears. Yeah, it's funny. The Texans are 0-1-1, coming off that tie with the Colts in Week 1, whereas the Bears are... 1-1-0, and so they do have a win from that monsoon game against the 49ers, and yet it's exactly like you said. I, I think the Texans have just been more competitive, and they've shown us more, whereas the Bears really only have that game from the Packers where you can, I think, actually draw conclusions because 
you're not going to be playing in the middle of a hurricane all that often. So the tendency, I think, is to kind of just take that result while it was a good result for Chicago in week one, sort of take that result and disregard it when it comes to projecting into the future. And with that, yeah, we're all in the Texans. We're, we're happily taking the points because I just think the consensus, at least among the hosts here, is that the Texans are the better team based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, it's definitely giving me a snoozer of a game. One of the lowest over-unders of the week with 39 points, so not much to be excited about with this game. So let's move right on, John. <laughs> Absolutely, to a game that I think is one that should be a lot more exciting and that is the Raiders, who are coming off that heartbreaking overtime loss to the Cardinals, where they were just dominating them for most of the game. Kyler Murray pulls off a great fourth quarter comeback, and then the Cardinals scoop and score in overtime to win 29-23. The Titans, perhaps a surprise, sitting here at 0-2 after their loss uh, to the Bills, and it was pretty ugly for them on, on Monday Night Football last week. And so you have two teams, both 0-2, definitely different storylines surrounding these two teams, definitely coming in, I think, with different levels of confidence. And the Raiders are the favorites. They are the two-point favorites despite this game being in Nashville. And so, Eric, I know you were a lot higher on this Titans team than maybe uh, Brendan or I were coming into this season do you still have faith for them in this matchup? Is this the one where they finally get their first win? Well, actually, admittedly, I was pretty high on both of these teams coming in, so I'm very disappointed that both of these teams are coming in, coming into this matchup 0-2, and, and one of them is going to leave 0-3. But I think I, if I were to pick one, I'm going to roll the home team here. I have a little more faith in the Titans, as you suggested, than the two of you guys do. Uh, the Titans definitely did not look good against Super Bowl favorites, uh, Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football last week, uh, but I think they'll have enough in their repertoire to get past this Raiders team. I guess on one hand, I'm disappointed that the Raiders don't look like a four-quarter team, and I think that's even more representative in their loss against the Cardinals just last week, and I think the Titans can still be a four-quarter team. I think they just need to reestablish their identity with Derrick Henry, and I think they have every opportunity to beat what still seems to be a young Raiders team on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, this is almost basically a, a pick a matchup based on the possibility of both of these teams being a playoff teams, but also coming in with an 0-2 matchup. Yeah, and I agree. I think this is very tight-knit. This is a very close game. It's going to be one that should be more competitive, especially for, for the Titans side of things. But to me, looking at where these teams have their strengths, it just feels like one that sets up a little bit better for the Raiders. The Raiders are a team that are much stronger in their front seven than they are in the back end of their defense. What do the Titans want to do? They want to run the football. And so that, in my mind, negates some of the strength that the Titans have with Derrick Henry, with their running game. And then... For the Titans, we saw them get carved up by Josh Allen and the Bills through the air. We saw Stephon Diggs make the Titans secondary his own personal playground in that Monday night loss. And I think that I would hope that the Titans are a little bit more secure in the back end than they were against the Bills. But having Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and the rest of the Raiders receiving group coming to town... I think it presents another problem for them. 
And so with that being the case and with those sort of fine margins leaning towards the Raiders in this matchup for me, I'm going to have to, you know, give the points and take the Raiders both with the spread because it's, you know, it's it's a pretty close spread and then straight up. Yeah, and it looks like Brennan agrees with you as well. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I understand your reasoning and it's just unfortunate one of these teams need to leave 0-3. So I think it's reasonable for us hosts to split the difference here because I think this is functionally just kind of a toss-up game. Yeah, very much so. Now let's move on to another matchup in the AFC um, between two teams that certainly have playoff hopes coming into this season. Right now, it's really only looking like one of them is likely to make the playoffs, given what we've seen through two weeks, and that is the Chiefs, who will be traveling to, Indi- traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, who I know the record says 0-1-1, but let's face it, they've played like an 0-2 team. Oh, Matt Ryan has not looked good. He's he's put up good, some good stats, but he hasn't been able to hit a lot of his receivers. He's, I mean, he looks like an old quarterback, functionally what it is, and he doesn't seem that much... Uh, of an upgrade compared to what they had in Carson Wentz, what they had in Jacoby Brissett before that, uh, Philip Rivers might be between them. And so this is just another one of those uh, quarterbacks that they just picked up off, I guess, the wire that they've been needing to fill in that hasn't really moved the needle for them, unfortunately. Luckily, Michael Pittman is back, so Mike Ryan will have a target to focus on in this game but i don't think it'll be enough for the chiefs and i think the chiefs are definitely good enough which to my surprise i guess both on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball without tyreek hill and i think for that reason i'm going to roll the chiefs to cover the spread of five and a half points that they're giving away and to also win straight up uh, against this Colts team. yeah and i am right there with you expect the chiefs to win expect the chiefs to cover it surprised me a little bit that brendan still has enough faith in the colts to say that the colts are going to cover this spread keep this game within five points or less because i just haven't seen a whole lot out of them except maybe in the fourth quarter of that texans game where they got back in it but outside of that one quarter they've been a pretty abysmal football team and is it safe to say that they lost the Carson Wentz trace, the Carson Wentz trade twice? They gave up a first round pick to the Eagles to get him. He wasn't worthy of a first round pick for what he, how he played last year. And then they send him off to Washington and he's playing really well in Washington. Whereas Matt Ryan looks like he's starting to lose the battle against father time. And so the, the Colts who I was high on coming into this season, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to, sort of stake my claim there that I was high on the Colts coming into this year and they have been easily one of the most disappointing teams in football and I don't expect that to change against this juggernaut of a Chiefs team right now that just seems unstoppable yeah we'll just have to see if Matt Ryan can kick it up a gear over these next 16 weeks but I think even looking further down the line the next year, I'm curious to know who's going to be their starting quarterback because they're not in a position to capitalize on what they have on the current roster uh, to fulfill their, I mean, to, to have someone fill that quarterback position and take advantage of those weapons. Maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if there's any other free agents out there, but it doesn't sound like they're going to have a rookie in the uh, in the barn to, to pull out for this Colts team. Yeah, it just seems like for the Colts, they either need – a you know jimmy garoppolo Kirk cousins you know that kind of quarterback 
and, and they need it to actually go right for once, or they need to get a like Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson situation where they take a flyer on a quarterback sort of in the day two, early day three range of the draft. And it just so happens to work out. Other than that, you feel like they're going to be too good to get a premium pick to pick a quarterback high in the draft, but not good enough to really attract like a top trade candidate or anything like that. Um, so definitely a worrying position for the Colts uh, and doesn't get any better having to take on one of the AFC's best in the Chiefs. Yeah, but we're all in the Chiefs to, to win this game. So I think it sounds pretty likely the Chiefs are rolling away with us 3-0 and yeah. into week three. Yeah, so that, that's exactly what I expect. Now, going from, I think, you know, a contender for the best team in the AFC to the team that has easily been the best team in the AFC and probably the best team in all of football the first two weeks, and that is the Buffalo Bills. And they take their absolute just juggernaut offense, their crazy defensive line, and everything else they have going them for them down to Miami this week where they're cu- playing a Dolphins team that is coming off of that Crazy impressive come from behind win over the Ravens. They were down, I believe, 35 to 14 uh, early in the fourth quarter. But then the Tua to Tyreek Hill and the Tua to Jalen Waddle show just really took off. And it presents, honestly, a much more interesting matchup than I was expecting to have in this Bills Dolphins week three contest. It's certainly shown that the Dolphins have a dynamic offense. It's impressive that Tua came off. I mean, show what he had to show in that last game, coming with six touchdowns to pull the Dolphins out of the abyss to actually win a game against the Ravens. Uh, I think it's impressive to see a lot of the weapons in action. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, um, they resigned Raheem Mostert, uh, who got a good chunk of the carries last uh, week. And these are all like speedy weapons that they're capitalizing on and it certainly could cause a problem for this bill's defense that being said i think this is a season where i just need to pick the bills at least what i learned from last week that i need to pick the bills with the spread and straight up because they could just be that good and that much a super bowl favorite so that's that's why i'm rolling the bills to cover this five and a half uh points that they're giving away and also the win straight up uh despite this being a divisional battle in Miami, no less. Uh, but I think the Bills' defense could very well befuddle Tua, and maybe last week could be shown to maybe be a fluke. I don't know. We'll see how consistent Tua can be on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and normally I would be right there with you, Eric. Uh, normally I'd be like, just smash the Bills, just keep riding them until uh, they prove otherwise. But two things have me willing to hedge that position just a little bit this week the first is that we've seen through these first two weeks that uh, Mike McDaniel and this Dolphins personnel on offense have been a wonderful marriage I'd almost go as far as saying that this Mike Shanahan offense because Mike McDaniel was um, excuse me Kyle Shanahan offense because Mike McDaniel was the Kyle Shanahan coordinator obviously the whole offense does stem from Mike Shanahan but Mike McDaniel now taking that offense to Miami and it almost feels like he has better personnel for the offense in Miami than what San Francisco has as sort of the originator of the offense. And so 
I've certainly enjoyed that aspect of it because, you know, I'm a huge fan of that style of football. And so because of that, because of what we saw against the Ravens, and then this Bills defense in particular is really banged up. Um, Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips, two of their defensive tackles in the middle, not going to play this week. Micah Hyde, one of their starting safeties, is not going to play this week. And then Dane Jackson, who had a head injury against the Titans, is also out in the secondary for the Bills. And it just feels like a game that could get into a shootout. And based on the way the Dolphins are playing right now offensively, especially with what we saw against the Ravens, it feels like a game that they can hold their own in in a shootout and keep this maybe under a touchdown. And so I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover, but the Bills still to win. Yeah, I definitely like it. It sounds like Brendan is right along with you and taking the Dolphins to cover and also having the Bills win straight up. I mean, this is a divisional matchup, so it could definitely be a close matchup. But uh, it's tough to say to, to see how much of a tier higher the Bills are compared to the Dolphins. Maybe the Dolphins are not with that like very close. And uh, I think it'll be a, a fun game to watch, that's for sure. And, and it could say, I think this game is going to be one where we look back later in the season and we're like, wow, we actually learned a lot about these two teams from that game. I think this is going to tell us if the Dolphins are have what it takes to be a legitimate playoff contender in the AFC. And if the Bills just roll this Dolphins team the way that they've rolled the Rams and they rolled the Titans, then I think we have to start putting the Bills until further notice in their own tier. You know, normally we lump them with, Kansas City and Buffalo together, Mahomes and Allen, and we kind of lump them in the same tier. But I think if they come out and just dominate what has proven to be a pretty good Dolphins team, we maybe have to start talking about them as being in that tier of their own. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has moved the Miami Dolphins to minus 175 to make the playoffs, um, which is now higher than the Indianapolis Colts, the Cincinnati Bengals. Definitely, the Miami Dolphins are definitely in play to make a playoff splash, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And so we will then shift now, though, from uh, talking about some maybe surprise playoff contenders in the AFC to maybe a surprise playoff contender in the NFC, Eric. Uh, and that would be the Lions that I'm hinting at. The Lions uh, coming off a pretty dominant win over the Commanders take their show if you want to call it that uh, being the stars of hard knocks and everything uh, the lions have become sort of a, a media darling i think and they take that show on the road and go to minnesota to play the vikings who looked pretty bad monday night against the eagles it was not a very competitive showing as they lose that game 24 to 7 and i'm a little surprised by two things here eric i'm a little surprised that the Vikings are as big of favorites as they are at, at six points. And I'm a little bit surprised that Brendan has as much confidence as he does in the Vikings to then go ahead and take the Vikings even with that six-point give. Yeah, I think it's definitely surprising that Brendan's going to roll the Vikings to cover the spread um, or, or give away these six points here. I am... Uh, predicting that the Lions still cover the spread, so it'll be a close game, but I'll, I'll take the Vikings to win. I still think the Vikings are the best wildcard team in the NFC, 
I don't want to be too discouraged from Kirk Cousins' performance in primetime. I think that might be uh, something that is just an anomaly or maybe just like, maybe not an anomaly, but like something that I already know that Kirk Cousins won't perform that well in primetime. But I think this being out of the primetime spotlight, I think Kirk Cousins will come back with the Vikings with a a formidable force on what they have in the offensive side of the ball that the Lions defense may not be able to hold down. Uh, and I think that's the reason why I'm going to roll the Vikings to win this game straight up. I, I do recognize that the Lions have a lot of pieces on offense that are very encouraging. They were leading the Commanders last week 22-0 to heading into the second half. So all these are impressive enough to push the Lions possibly into a playoff spot. But until we see that, I'm going to roll the Vikings, who I came into the, to the season predicting to be an 11-6 and team functionally. Um, and I, I think this is one of the teams that are going to need to win at home against their divisional rival uh, to, to pull out and, and show that. Yeah, and to me, this is essentially a pick em game. I sort of view these two teams on the same tier right now based on where we've seen them over the first two weeks. And it is worth noting that Kirk Cousins, when he's not on prime time and when he's at home and when he's indoors, which will all be the case this week against the Lions, is a much better quarterback. And so if you feel confident like Eric does that the Vikings are going to win this game, if you feel confident like Brendan does that the Vikings are going to win this game, I don't fault you for that. But I don't see them winning it by a touchdown or more. And I see the Lions keeping up with them. And I'm even going to go so far as saying, Eric, that the Lions win this one straight up. Because Yeah, I mean, the Lions are certainly darlings this year. So keep going, Dylan. Well, two things, right? I've seen two consistent efforts from the Lions so far this season. They came out. They scored a bunch of points against the Eagles. The Eagles just happened to score more points. And we saw last week that the Eagles are the real deal like most people expected them to be because they thoroughly dominated that Vikings team. And then they came out in week two and they put up a bunch of points on the commanders and they, you know, had enough defense this time to secure the win. And then Aiden Hutchinson had a coming out party against that commander's offensive line. I believe he had three sacks in that game on Carson Wentz. And so this is lining up to me like a perfect storm for this Lions team, for me, the biggest diff or the biggest deficiency, I should say, that the Vikings have on this team and on this offense is that offensive line. And so I would look for Hutchinson again to maybe come out here and eat against a division opponent. And then what's more so is that I just believe in this in this uh, Detroit offense. I just believe in this Detroit Lions offense. I think they can get it done. And so I think they can score with the Vikings, and I think they have enough to get the win. I'm loving it. Every time I hear someone talk about the Lions, I also get a feeling from Dan Campbell's fire as head coach. So I'm excited for this game. I love both teams, uh, being a fan of the MC North. So I, this is definitely a game I'm going to watch and be very excited to see what is the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a really exciting one. One that I expect maybe to be a little less exciting, um, just based on what we've seen from these two teams so far, and that is the Ravens and Patriots. Uh, Ravens coming off that disappointing loss to the Dolphins where their offense showed plenty of firepower, but their defense showed a lot of holes. Uh, Patriots pretty much the exact opposite. They're coming off a 17-14 win over the Steelers. Um, 
and their offense continues to look very lethargic outside of, you know, a play here and there. The defense looks pretty solid, although I don't know that looking solid against Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers right now is a huge accomplishment. Um, so the Ravens come into this one in Foxborough as the three-point favorites. And to me, Eric, this is a pretty easy Ravens cover, Ravens win. Yeah, it's pretty uh, disappointing for the Steelers, I'm going to sneak in here, to lose against this Patriots team. I mean, you mentioned the loss of TJ Watt on that Steelers team. That, that may be a significant factor, but like Mac Jones has not looked good. It, he still continues to not look good, and I'm surprised the Patriots were able to run away with that win last week. Uh, it, it was a close game, but they were able to pull it out because the Steelers weren't able to do anything. So there's a lot of credit to the Patriots' defense, but I think the Ravens have a lot more firepower on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defense is a little banged up, particularly in the secondary, but I think they're getting healthier. And I, until we see anything out of this Patriots team, I'm not going to expect much out of this offense, and I don't think they're going to score much. So... I completely agree with you. It's definitely easy. Ravens cover. Ravens win. Yeah, and the only one who's not seeing it that way is Brendan, who this is another one where I wish he was here. And when we do the recap episode next week, hopefully we will have him on so that he can tell us what his thinking was because he is riding with the Patriots for both the cover and the win, which I just don't understand. To me, the Patriots are the worst team in the AFC East, yeah, I'll, I'll go that far. And we already see seen the uh, Ravens come out in week one and have a pretty convincing victory over the Jets on the road. I don't think expect anything really to be different here against the Patriots. Yeah, I don't think I have too much to say. I think the Ravens are definitely an exciting team to watch. I'm excited to see if J.K. Dobbins is going to play this game. Uh, I think this is a possibly a good game for him to come back against the Patriots team, but we'll see if they hold him out for another game. Yeah, definitely a storyline to keep watch of, both for fantasy perspective and for just the uh, overall ceiling that that Ravens offense is going to have. I think that ceiling goes up with J.K. Dobbins back in the fold. Now, speaking of the Jets, and speaking of also teams in the AFC North, we have Bengals at Jets. And and you noted here, Eric, that the schedule makers didn't really do the Jets a whole lot of favors in putting them against the AFC North four weeks in a row to start the season. Um, so this is week three of those four, and they, they get the Bengals in MetLife Stadium this time. And the Bengals have not looked great uh, as the Super Bowl representatives of the AFC last year, defending AFC champions. Um, obviously, they lose that one in embarrassing and just not very... You know, they had some failures when it came to their process, when it came to their special teams, when it came to everything against the Steelers in week one. They follow that up with not the same type of issues necessarily that we saw against the Steelers in week one from a special teams and from a, a time management and everything like that. But their offensive line still couldn't block anybody against the Cowboys in week two. And so they lost to Cooper Rush and the, and the Cowboys in that one. They're now going against the Jets. They're still big favorites at six points. And is this six-point line, Eric, enough for to tempt you to maybe say the Jets cover again? We did see them play pretty well in getting that win over Cleveland last week. So what's your thinking about this Bengals-Jets game? It's definitely tempting. Six points is a lot for this Bengals team. and But it sounds like Vegas is still confident this Bengals team is what it can be. And it's... 
I mean, the deficiency for, for the Bengals, I, I would say, is not on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they've held their opponents to less to 20 points or less. I mean, they played against the Steelers to held them to less than 20 points. They played against the Cowboys, less than 17 points. Uh, or, or, sorry, also 20 points. Um, but I guess you could argue that none of those offenses, particularly without Dak Prescott, are particularly good. But I don't think this Jets team with Joe Flacco at the helm is necessarily that much better than those teams. So I'm predicting to possibly the Jets being around that 20-point line again. Um, but I think the, the issue is on the offense side of the ball where supposedly the offensive line was revamped, but Joe Burrow still has been sacked a league-leading 13 times. I think this could be a game where they kind of get it back into order and not let the Jets get to Joe Burrow as much. Uh, the Jets may not be able to get to Joe Burrow as much. And I think with the extra time, Joe Burrow can be able to take control of this offense. And I think the Bengals, for that reason, can open a much bigger lead and uh, cover the six points that they're giving away here. So I'm confident, or at least I'm rolling the Bengals to cover the six points here and also the win straight up against this Jets team. Um, in New York. Yeah, it's not surprising. To, it's not surprising at me to all that we all that we all have the Bengals winning straight up. I think this is a game the Bengals should win. I think this is a game the Bengals realistically need to win, uh, coming off of that 0-2 start. But I am gonna roll with the Jets to cover. I think their offense has shown a lot more life and a lot more creativity. They're certainly throwing the ball a lot more than I thought they would. Uh, and they're utilizing all of those weapons. Garrett Wilson had a really good game in that win over Cleveland. And I expect things to just continue to be the way the continue to be the way they have been in the sense of, I think the jets can move the ball against this Bengals defense and the state of the offensive line is so worrying to me for Cincinnati that I am willing to take those six points, think the Jets can stay within that touchdown, even if I don't ultimately expect them to win. Yeah, that's definitely reasonable. I, I'm expecting this game to be somewhere around 27, 20, 20 like 31, 21 maybe. Um, so I, I think with that line, I'm going to roll the Bengals. But I think that can see the Jets stay in this game. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a world where even the Jets pull this out. I mean, yeah. the Jets are off a... They fiery win last week, and they could definitely be a struggling Bengals team. So we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, Jets have been one of the biggest surprises this season, and so I would not be at all surprised if they continue to surprise us uh, and maybe even pull one out against the Bengals, like you said. Now, a matchup between two teams, I think, heading in the different directions after week two back in the NFC, and that is the Eagles traveling to Washington to take on the Commanders. The Eagles do come in off that big win over Minnesota as six-and-a-half-point favorites, and I don't know about you, Eric. I kind of think they cover this. I can definitely see that. Six-and-a-half points is a lot. The Eagles look really good. They, they looked very good against the Vikings on Monday Night Football last week. Uh, however, I think this is a divisional matchup. They're rolling into Washington. I think the Commanders have a formidable offense. They're not completely defunct on that side of the ball. I think there's still some concerns on the, on the defensive side of the ball where everyone might not be healthy or in line uh, or on the same page to match up against the Eagles team. But I think I think it's still a possibility that the Eagles struggle against this Commanders team and Carson Wentz is able to put up some points to keep this game close. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to take the points with the Commanders. And it sounds like Brendan's right on with me to take those points. And... 
but uh, however, we're going to roll the Eagles with straight up and, and continue to be the favorites in the uh, in the NFC East there. Yeah, it, it doesn't shock me at all that we're all on the Eagles to win, right? That is a pretty easy consensus in this one. The Eagles are a much more talented team. They are coming off of a huge win in, in which they looked great. And the Commanders are coming off of a loss in which their defense, like you said, showed plenty of holes. The reason I think that the Eagles could come out here and cover is I just expect them to want to continue to prove people wrong. And I think there's probably a little bit of Jalen Hurts that says, okay, that's the guy who there are probably some Eagles fans out there who still wish Carson Wentz was our quarterback. There are probably some Eagles fans out there who think that Carson Wentz is still a better passer than I am still provides the bitter upside as a passer than I do. I want to go prove those guys wrong. And so I think the Eagles have plenty of motivation to continue to come out here, uh, continue to show that they are one of, if not the best team in the NFC. And I think that'll be enough for them to uh, cover the six and a half points. There's definitely a world here where Carson Wentz's mental is not ready for this Eagles matchup. And he throws four interceptions against this Eagles defense. That is still formidable. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to roll the division matchup to keep this game close, and we'll have to see if Ron Vera could keep his head in the game uh, and his, his team rolling against this Eagles team. Yeah, and, and we'll go right from there into the matchup with Ron Rivera's former team, going from Ron Rivera's current team to Ron Rivera's former team, and that is the Saints and the Panthers. Saints traveling to Carolina this week. The Saints are coming off of maybe a disappointing loss against uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in New Orleans, a matchup that they have historically dominated. But Tom Brady said, no, 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 no more. Um, so they may be looking for revenge here. And then the Panthers have honestly looked. Is it fair to say, Eric, the Panthers have looked like the worst team in football over the first two weeks? It's certainly worth a discussion. I think it's definitely worth a discussion. I don't know if they're necessarily the worst. They Baker's not looked good. And I think that's certainly played a lot into it. And I would not be confident in taking the Panthers' offense. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm shying away from the Panthers' team. But I also have Christian McCaffrey on my fantasy team, so I hope they turn it around, Josh. Well, I'm just saying that because <laughs> of all the other 0-2 teams, and we've touched on almost all the other 0-2 teams. We've touched on the Titans, the Bengals, and the Raiders. And then the only one else in that group with the Panthers is the Falcons. And to me, the Falcons have shown much more points of optimism, much more things that I can kind of get behind and say, you know, I don't think the Falcons are going to be a very good team this year, but I think they're going to make things interesting. I think they're going to keep games competitive. And so because of that, I would say that the Panthers have been the worst team in football over the first two weeks. Um, and for that reason, I am easily giving the points here with the Saints, taking the Saints both to win and to cover this three-point line. Yeah, I mean, from a spread and straight-up perspective, I'm right along with you, John. It looks like Brendan's on the other side with the Panthers uh, to cover this spread and also to win straight up. They're, they are playing at home. I think there is a report that Jameis Winston played last game with a few broken bones in his back, uh, and that could certainly play a part into this. Uh, I think the Panthers have enough tape for the Saints defense to kind of scheme against them if they're smart enough. So the Panthers certainly have 
possibly to win if Baker Mayfield turns it around. But I think the Saints defense is too good and uh, going to uh, kind of run away with this game against this Panthers team until we see something more out of those Panthers. Yeah, and, and we will see also, like you said, Jameis Winston a little banged up. We'll see if we see Alvin Kamara this week. But either way, I do expect a, a Saints win, and I expect a, a convincing win, honestly. Now, moving back over to the AFC uh, in a game where I think this one was kind of hard to pick. I, I don't know about you, Eric, but I think this one was kind of hard to pick for me, at least when it came to the spread. And that was Jaguars traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. The Chargers are seven-point favorites, which is a big number. And and the Jaguars have certainly looked much more competitive uh, under Doug Peterson than they ever did under Urban Meyer, coming off of that big win over the Colts. And so I definitely went back and forth. I definitely almost made this a unanimous call of Chargers to win, Jags to cover. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to be confident in this Chargers team, if I'm going to say I think this Chargers team is good enough to make it to the Super Bowl, and that's what I do truly believe about this Chargers team, I feel like they have to come out and show that they can control games against teams like the Jaguars. And for that reason, I did end up taking the Chargers to both win and to cover. I mean, I completely agree that that's what we need to see out of this Chargers team. And I think I'm more on the other side of kind of a wait-and-see approach. I think this Chargers, the reason why I went with the Jaguars to cover this spread, I'm taking these seven points that the Chargers are giving away at home here, uh, but also let... picking the Chargers to win is because I don't see the Chargers yet as a full four-quarter team, similar to what I talked to from the Raiders. I could see this game as the Chargers coming out to an early lead and the Jaguars having a good enough offense to make some uh, effort at a fourth-quarter comeback to pull this within seven points. Uh, So I I could definitely see that happening with what the Jaguars have on the offensive side of the ball and uh, kind of what I've seen out of the Chargers kind of slowing down as the game goes on. And I'm curious to see what we're going to get out of this Chargers team. And I'm hoping for more out of them. But until then, I'm going to roll with Jaguars cover, Chargers win. Yeah, and it's worth noting that Justin Herbert is banged up heading into this one. I don't think there have been any indications suggesting he won't play. But he is coming off of those broken ribs from the uh, Thursday night game against Kansas City. We'll see how much that affects him. And obviously, if it affects him too much, uh, that does open up the possibility definitely for a Jaguars cover and maybe just maybe for a Jaguars win. That, that, that's a great point, John. I think uh, looking at the other names on the injury report could also play a factor in this Chargers game. I mean, Corey Lindsley is their, their, their center. Keenan Allen still in, on the wires uh, as a, on the injury report as a questionable. Uh, JC Jackson hasn't played that much. He's listed as doubtful. So I think these are significant pieces on the Chargers team that are not playing for them. And this, char- this Jaguar team seems to be very opt- uh, opportunistic with how the Colts and Titans are playing. So maybe they see this as a possibility to take a, a jump in the AFC South. Yeah, definitely there. That that That's a, a good shout. Definitely could be one where the Jaguars feel like this is their time. They got to pounce on it. Uh, now, moving back over to the NFC, another divisional matchup. And Eric, this feels like one to me where it's uh, – it's pretty clear cut who the better team is. It's just a question of can lightning strike twice, two weeks in a row for this Arizona Cardinals team. This is the Rams at Cardinals matchup Rams coming off of a get right win over the Falcons Cardinals coming off of that Houdini magic to escape with a win 
against the Raiders. And so to me, the answer to the question of will lightning strike twice, excuse me, will lightning strike twice was a clear no. I expect the Rams to pretty easily cover this spread, which is right now at three and a half and don't really expect any more Houdini shows from the Cardinals here. Yeah, I'm also going to roll the Rams to cover and also the Rams win straight up. It looks like Brendan's on the other side with the Cardinals to uh, cover and also the Cardinals to win straight up. So he's completely on the opposite side of the ball. To his credit, the Rams didn't look that good last week considering they had a 28-3 lead against the Falcons and almost gave it away in which they won 31-27. to uh, they're, they're scored, outscored 24-3 in the last... I mean, less than half of the game. Uh, so if the Falcons can do that, I, I guess we can see the Cardinals do that. This is in Arizona. Uh, but So there's definitely some merit to Brendan taking this Cardinals team. But, yeah, I, I completely agree with you that the Rams are the better team, and the Cardinals have not looked good on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Raiders fell asleep against this Cardinals team where they could have kept it into high gear and keep pushing this Cardinals team. I don't think the Rams are going to make the same mistake, and I think they're going to punish this Cardinals defense that does not look as good as it did last year. Yeah, I definitely think this is one where the Cardinals got lucky last week. The Rams still have something to prove, and they're going to go out and try to prove it against a team when the last time we saw them, Kyler Murray was kind of seeing ghosts, or we don't really know what was going on with Kyler Murray other than he was pretty bad against this Rams defense. So maybe we see that again. Now, going, staying in the AFC, but, or excuse me, the NFC, but sticking uh, with some teams that no one really expects them to be good, I think, this year, but they've both, I think, been better than we expected them to be, and that is those Falcons that we just mentioned, and it is the Seattle Seahawks. And this game, Eric, uh, is so close between these two birds of prey that the odds are even. It's a, it's a pick em game here, and... We are split. Not only are the odds even, not only have these teams both been better than expected, but the hosts here at Line em Up are split. And so, Eric, please tell me why you expect the Seahawks to come out here and win this game. I think this is a difficult game for me to pick. It's an interesting game, kind of a boring game as well. There's not much to see on both sides of the ball. I have mentioned at the beginning of the season, I do think the Falcons are going to be uh, putting on some good shows, and that's kind of what they did against the Rams last week. A lot of opportunities for Marcus Mariota. Jake London's looked very good. Uh, but I think the reason I went with the Seahawks here is they're the ones rolling at home. I think they still have a significant home field advantage that could play uh, to their advantage against this Falcons team. I think they are playing with some sort of fashion. We're going to see if they unleash Geno Smith against this Falcons secondary that I think does have holes that the Seahawks can capitalize on. I think if we were to pick the fun team, I think it would be the Falcons. But I think the Seahawks are the sneaky pick here, I think, playing at home that certainly have a chance to take control of this, this the game, when, which is just a pick em. I think I think they can certainly slow the ball down as well. And we're going to see a lot more out of uh, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker coming out of the backfield. So I, I think they are going to keep or, or catch the Falcons off guard here and what they have to show in offense. Yeah, I think it's definitely a great call. You saying, okay, I expect the 12th man in Seattle to still make a difference. That definitely could play an impact in this game. I don't discount that for a second. But for me, why I'm going with the Falcons in this one 
is because they have just simply shown more life offensively to me. And while it's certainly possible that the Seattle defense could come out here and could make Marcus Mariota look like the sort of mediocre quarterback that he has been for most of his career. I just think that Arthur Smith uh, has this Atlanta offense playing a lot better than anything we've seen from Seattle. And in a matchup of two bad teams, and that is what this matchup still is, a matchup of two bad teams, I think the team that shows more life on offense is the one that's going to get the win. Yeah, it looks like Brandon's right on with you taking the Falcons. I mean, I I certainly don't I certainly don't have an issue with that. I mean, this is an even pick'em game, so I, I'm glad that we kind of have this split. And we'll see if the consensus rankings can get a bonus from you guys, or uh, maybe I was the one that was that was uh, on the right side of this pick'em game. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will have to circle back to this one in our recap show. Now, another game where the official line is not even. The official line is Bucks minus one, but it might as well be a pick'em game, and that is Packers at Bucks. Now we are once again split, Eric, but I am honestly surprised to be the lone man on the Buccaneers here. I'm also surprised you're the lone man, John, as in I'm surprised you're taking the Buccaneers. So I think you should tell us why that you're rolling with Tom Brady with an injured wide receiving core against this Packers team that we think is could be the top in the NFC. Because the Packers don't have anybody to throw to either. <laughs> like this is this is the this is the problem is people who tune into this game are probably gonna learn about wide receivers that they didn't know existed. Like, they're probably going to learn about, oh, that guy's in the NFL? Who is he? Because the Packers wide receiver core is incredibly banged up. I think Christian Watkins and Sammy, uh, or sorry, yeah, Christian Watkins and Sammy Watkins. Watson. Watson, yes, there. I knew I was, I knew I was messing Christian one Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. Yeah, I knew I was, I knew I was messing his last name up, but I, <laughs> I was like, it's what something. Yeah, Christian Watson <laughs> and Sammy Watkins, I think, are both doubtful to play in this game. Um mm-hmm. Alan Lazard has also been banged up for the Packers. And so the Packers are down to, you know, the basically the dregs of their receiving core. And then the Buccaneers, similar situation. Chris Godwin, still not healthy, still not expected to play in this game. Mike Evans suspended after getting into a fight with Marshawn Lattimore last week in the Saints game. But I think between Julio Jones, who is hopeful to suit up in this game i believe uh i think that's the expectation Mm -hmm. is that he's going to play between him between russell gage between leonard fournette uh, between an offensive line that i think is healthier than this packers offensive line even though we know the the buccaneers offensive line is not as good as it was the year before i think there's just enough here where i'm like okay i'm gonna ride with the bucks I think the Buccaneers have what it takes to take down this Packers team in Tampa. Uh, obviously, neither of these teams are at full strength, but given what is available to both of these teams, I think this is the Buccaneers' game to lose. Yeah, that's certainly fair. The Buccaneers are playing home. This is their home opener. They've shown that they have a formidable defense, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a wide receiving core. I think a lot of people are leaning on, and it sounds like Brendan's right on with me taking the Packers uh, to cover and also to, to win straight up, uh, is the, the strength that they have in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think your counterpoint could be that the Buccaneers have a strong uh, rushing defense, uh, but we'll have to see if they're, they're, the Packers are creative on that side of the ball. I think it could be significant that the Buccaneers lost to Keem Hicks, uh, who is out 
for this upcoming game, and that could allow more rushing lanes for AJ Dillon uh, or Aaron Dillon. Uh, AJ Dillon, yeah. AJ Dillon. All right, AJ Dillon. A you could just you could just Dillon. say Aaron Dillon, you know, <laughs> so as like Aaron the Dillon. the combination <laughs> of both of them. I think that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think they're gonna find creative ways to get them involved. Uh, Aaron Jones was definitely involved in the Bears game uh, last weekend, and I think he's ready to get rolling against this Buccaneers team. Um, so I, I think the Packers, I think, are the team to pick. I, I, but I think it will be interesting to see Aaron Rodgers match up against Tom Brady here. Yeah, maybe for the last time, right? You know, who knows? You never with Tom Brady, you never know. You've been saying maybe for the last time about Tom Brady probably for five years, and it has never been actually the last time. Now we'll have to see if uh, Mrs. Bunchen gets involved here, but yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Giselle gets uh, her nose into the football business a little bit farther and actually pulls her husband off the football field. <laughs> but we'll just have to see. Um, now, moving into the Sunday night game, which is a interesting game between two teams that I think have underperformed so far in the season, and that is the 49ers traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos game is in denver so you know all the shenanigans that always go on with the games being in denver and teams maybe not used to that altitude 49ers are one and a half point favorites they are coming off of a pretty dominant week uh in their win against the seahawks 27 to 7 they did lose trey lance for the season and so it's now the jimmy garoppolo show back for an encore with san francisco and then russell wilson and company I don't know if it's Nathaniel Hackett holding them back. I don't know if this is just them needing time to gel, but they have not looked very convincing in their first two weeks and have been one of the lowest scoring teams in football. All that being said, Eric, you're still on the Broncos. Please enlighten us. Yeah, the Broncos certainly have not looked good enough inside the ball. They could be in contention for one of the worst offenses uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think it is a lot up to Nathaniel Hackett. I think the coaching has been pretty poor. I think they're not. They have not been getting the plays uh, in quickly enough, and now they're going to be possibly without Jerry Judy. I don't know what his most recent update is. Um, so we could be seeing an even more hampered Broncos uh, offense at home on Sunday Night Football. But I think they should get it back into gear with. I mean, they, they kind of need to, I think. I think this is a good Broncos team, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. They just need to get the coaching straight. And I think they have every possibility to get it right playing at a home game uh, against a 49ers team that has a quarterback that possibly doesn't even want to play there uh, in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that we're just going to have to witness on Sunday Night Football that everything that this Broncos team has in store and Russell Wilson has in store um, and it's just, I guess, more of a matter of faith that Nanny Hackett can actually get his, his coaching up to speed against his 49ers team. I, I think this, I mean, Vegas certainly thinks this is a close game, so I certainly think this is a, a pick em game that we definitely need to split. So I think, um, and I picked the Broncos to, to win the AFC West with a 12-win record. So I think this is one of the things that they need to win to reach that, and I'm, I'm going to stick to my, my guns here and, and roll the Broncos. Yeah, I, I get that. I get sticking to your guns, and, and I don't fault you for it. I'm going to stick to my guns, and there are plenty of reasons not to pick this 49ers team. I think 
the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, even though, you know, he did look good last week against the Seahawks. I think that's plenty of reason to sort of doubt where this 49ers team is. But as I have always said, and as I will continue to say until there is substantial evidence piling up against me, I believe in Kyle Shanahan's ability to get the most out of this 49ers team. And I think they will do enough, uh, especially offensively, compared to what we've seen from the offense in Denver. I think the 49ers do enough to get this win and to cover the one and a half point spread. And that takes us, Eric, into our final matchup of the week. And that is a NFC East divisional matchup on Monday Night Football. Cowboys at Giants. And this is another game, super low spread. Giants are the favorites as the 2-0 team playing at home. And they are one-point favorites, so, you know, not big favorites. But that must be feel pretty nice for the Giants to to be favored in this primetime matchup against their divisional rivals. And I got to say, Eric, I was so torn on this one. I was so torn. Because the marriage between Brian Dable and in particular Saquon Barkley, seems to be going about as well as you could have ever hoped it to go. And because of that, and because I like both that player and that coach a lot, and I want to see them succeed, I was so tempted to pick the uh, Giants in this one. But then I flash back to the Cowboys defense continually destroying the Cincinnati offensive line. And I thought about what we've consistently seen when it comes to Daniel Jones facing pressure, and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't pick the Giants in this one. And so I went with the Cowboys and the point, the one single point. Yeah, that's that's certainly reasonable. I think this is an atrocious game in general to be on Monday Night Football. It, the Vegas has, them, has this game at an over-under of 39 points. Title of that Bears Texans game, so this shows how much of a snoozer this game could possibly be. Or I guess you could argue this is clearly a defensive game, and maybe we're gonna see a lot of defensive plays. But I think uh, it, it sounds like Brendan's right on with you and taking the Cowboys uh, with the spread and, and straight up. I'm, I'm gonna roll the Giants here. I have a little more optimism in what I've seen out of the Giants team. Uh, we'll have to see if the Cowboys defense holds up, but I, I like what I see out of Saquon Barkley and, and their strategy of getting him the ball. Uh, they have a healthy Sterling Shepard to lead the wide receiving core. I think he's going to get a good chunk of the targets this week. And I am not terribly confident in Cooper Rush just yet. Uh, he, he played well against the Bengals team. They're going to be without Dalton Schultz. It, it sounds like they're going to be without Dalton Schultz. They're, they're wheeling or, or they're bringing in Michael Gallup possibly, but he might be on a snap count. So I, I think there's some shuffling on the offensive side of the ball uh, with a backup quarterback at the helm. Um, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to roll with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, um, and, and maybe that's who they lean on. But I, I think I have too many questions for this Cowboys team, and I'm going to roll with the Giants to start 3-0 and for a, the first time in a long while, and I, I think that's going to be the biggest story in New York. Yeah, and like I said, it's not outlandish to think that the Giants are deservedly the favorite in this one and could very much win this game. For me, you talk about, you know, have the Cowboys having to rely on players outside of their stars. I think coming into this season, we expected this to be a team that leaned heavily on the trio of Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, Prescott is injured right now. Zeke has not necessarily been 
amazing through the first two games. He's been solid, but he hasn't really shown any big play upside, certainly not to the level of, of Saquon Barkley. And CeeDee Lamb, again, has been sort of mediocre. That being said, I liked what I saw last week against Cincinnati from some of these other players in the Dallas skill position group. I liked what we saw from Noah Brown. There seemed to be a really good connection between him and Cooper Rush. I liked what we saw from Tony Pollard. He got a lot more involved in the game uh, than we saw in the loss to Tampa Bay. And I think that was what the Cowboys wanted to do all along was, you know, get Tony Pollard more involved in the passing game and, and, you know, give him more of a, maybe not 50, 50 carry split with Zeke, but much closer to 50-50 than we've seen in the past. And so for that reason, and because of the competency we saw from Cooper Rush, which is not something that I think any of us really expected, uh, I think there's enough there for me to hold on to the belief that Cowboys can win this game. And we, we haven't said his name, which is probably uh, really just a disservice to how amazing he is as a player. They have Micah Parsons. And Micah Parsons is fast becoming one of those players who can almost win games by himself on the defensive side of the football, or at least it feels that way. No, that's certainly true. And I think he could certainly be one of the stars that shine on Monday Night Football. I think it's definitely one of the best times for him to shine. And I'm hoping someone comes out of this game, whether it be Micah Parsons or Saquon Barkley or anybody else. I'm hoping something is is going to be on display here on Monday Night Football and not just another snooze fest. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully there is a reason for those that tune in to uh, just enjoy the game and, and enjoy some high-level football and not some backup quarterback quality football, which, again, certainly one of the possibilities. And so, Eric, we've, we've gone through all the games. We've made it here to the end. And normally we would end with our spinning of the wheel, but because Brendan is not here and because we were not able to put together a parlay in advance of the show, we will save the recapping of the wheel for next week. I can say that, Eric, oh, we came oh so close to hitting our first wheel parlay in week two. We were literally one Greg Dortch reception from going the three for three on the parlay. And, and that feels good in a sense, but it also stings pretty bad. So hopefully uh, what our plan is at least is to get that parlay put together before kickoff on Sunday. And then we'll put that out on social media so that we can then recap it at uh, the recap episode that'll come out next week. So instead we will end this episode today with a couple of start sit decisions, Eric. So uh, why don't you take us away? All right. As always, these are pulled right from one of our shared leagues. And I want to start off with a quarterback start set decision. I think it's pretty interesting. We have Joe Burrow on the struggling Cincinnati Bengals facing the New York Jets. Or Matthew Stafford versus the Arizona Cardinals, uh, also in Arizona. I, I will mention Joe Burrow is still ranked higher. At, at, least, at the very least, he is the 11th ranked quarterback uh, in fantasy finishes this year, while Matthew Stafford is currently 20th. So with that in mind, John, who would you start considering what you've seen over the past two weeks? I'm going to make this really simple uh, in my analysis. Joe Burrow offensive line, bad. Cardinals defense, also bad. For that reason, taking Matthew Stafford. <laughs> All right, certainly reasonable. I'm going to roll with uh, Joe Burrow here. I think, as I mentioned earlier, that the Jets may not be able to get to the ball or get to Joe Burrow as much. He's still been consistent around that 16, 18 point threshold. Maybe you're expecting a lot more out of Matthew Stafford, but he still hasn't blown it off 
off the pages just yet. Um, and I, I think Joe Burrow is still the choice to go here. But it looks like Brennan is also taking Stafford, so we'll have to see what happens next week when he joins us. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very fine line here because obviously Joe Burrow's weapons are better, and there is always the possibility that he just breaks out here against the Jets. But like I said, I think there's enough reason to also just side with Stafford. All right. Next one here is we have Devontae Smith, who is the number two receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Washington Commanders this week. Or Rashad Bateman, who arguably is also the number two receiver uh, behind Mark Andrews, uh, versus the New England Patriots. A, I guess a more formidable defense. Um but I guess, John, who, who are you thinking here in, in rolling out between these two? So if you had asked me this question before we saw them play this season, I would have gone with Devontae Smith. That being said, Rashad Bateman has been much more of a big play threat and much more of a run-after-the-catch threat as well in this Baltimore offense than I ever expected him to be. I expected him to be a sort of outside possession receiver, whereas Mark Andrews is like the inside possession receiver. But instead, he's been, you know, breaking off these long touchdown passes and really provided an element of speed that I didn't think he possessed uh, for this Ravens team. And for that reason, and because of the big play upside, I'm going to go with Bateman. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. I think this is a tough matchup. Unfortunately, I'm also going to go with Bateman, and so is Brendan here. So we're all going to sweep this as Bateman here but I do think this is much closer because I don't think the Baltimore receivers are going to get that much receiving uh, work here and I think we could see a lot more receiving work on the Philadelphia Eagles side um, versus their their divisional matchup but I guess we're, we're rolling with the talent that Bateman has here yeah uh, finally oh sorry did you have no no I, I, I think it's yeah. the one thing that I'll add is that Philly is locked in. Jalen Hurts is locked in on on AJ Brown much more than I thought he would be early on. And also Philly I think has more depth at receiver, more options for their quarterback than Baltimore does at the moment. And so uh, for that reason again, another reason why I would tend to hone in on Bateman. All right. Certainly fair. And finally, uh one that's again right off my roster. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to come back a lot. Uh, in in these discussions, Ezekiel Elliott, who has not played particularly well, well I guess has not played particularly well in a fantasy aspect. Um, he's playing against the New York Giants this week on Monday Night Football, as we just discussed. Or John Dotson, a rookie wide receiver from the Washington Commanders versus the Philadelphia Eagles in a flex spot play in .5 PPR. John, what are you thinking here about uh, these two so, running back versus wide receiver comparison? Yeah, so this is pretty much a floor play versus an upside play zeke is obviously going to get more touches i I don't think there's any doubt that he is going to get more touches dodson i think has nine receptions through his first two games zeke will probably have nine touches of the ball in the first half alone in this game so with that being said though i think there is maybe better touchdown upside for Dotson, which seems kind of crazy when you're talking about a wide receiver versus a running back, but Zeke has not gotten into the end zone so far this year, and then Dotson had a touchdown last week against the Lions. That being said, I'm going to side with the safe play in Zeke, but I couldn't fault you at all if you wanted to roll the dice and see if Dotson, with the speed that he has and with the early uh, rapport that he's developing with Carson Wentz, if he can go out there and steal one for you. So it looks like Brendan's right along with you. 
I will mention in my current roster, I am starting Zeke, so I'm going with the floor play. That being said, for this podcast, I'm going to roll with John Dotson. Maybe I don't have the guts to start to John Dotson. Maybe I don't even need the floor play. Or, or, or that maybe I don't need a ceiling play. I forget which one it is. But um, I think it's it's tough to start Zeke right now. He's averaged 5.4 fantasy points and 0.5 PPR over the first two weeks. He's only gotten about 50 yards, and it doesn't sound like the Cowboys are going to lean too heavily on him. And I think the New Giants could be good enough to not, uh, I mean, have Zeke run wild. I mean, Zeke needs to fall into the end zone for him to win this matchup, I think. I think John Dotson is getting more and more involvement. He has a nose for the end zone. I think he could see it again against a tough Philadelphia Eagles team. And I'm going to roll the dot with John Dotson on this one, and uh, purely for the competitive aspect of this of this uh, for the show. I like it. I like it. I like it. Going out there on a wire uh, and uh, setting the show off with a bang, really, because uh, that is the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to check back next week. We are looking to have two episodes up next week with that recap, and then uh, same time next week or around the same time next week, we will have this preview episode, which usually have been going up Sunday mornings, might go up Saturday, just depends on uh, how everything shakes out. But we should have this up with plenty of time for you to listen to it before kickoff and get you all prepped for Sunday NFL football. Eric, I know I am always more excited and feel more prepped for NFL football after talking with you. So as always, I'm super thankful for your involvement here on the show and uh, yeah really looking forward to week three yeah it's always a pleasure john uh, for our listeners for, for those tuning in please come back next week we have a lot more competitive segments in store for you guys and i'm excited for the recap i'm excited for this weekend and i'm excited to talk more football absolutely uh, thanks, thanks for joining us and i hope you guys join us on uh, social media as well that's at line em up pod right john yeah at line em up pod twitter instagram you can find us there and like i said we are going to look to put that parlay out on those platforms when we get it all together. And so until next week, folks, enjoy the football.